What I've always made very important in my life is to enjoy what I'm doing. The great stuff or the failure. Because in those failures, you learn something. I had to teach myself about apparel and how to, you know, a 3PL on the back end of a warehouse, who to go to and how that works and how to work on uh, retail and, and all these things. I had to learn, but I enjoy learning through the process. And therefore, the results were we did well. And I try to encourage a lot of people to, you know, step away from just love the finishing, love the rewards and seeing a pot of gold at the end of the day and just enjoy the process and everything will be fine. That's how success happens. From Entrepreneur Magazine, my name is Robert Tuckman. I self-funded, built up, and eventually sold two businesses to major players in the sports and entertainment industry. And I am fascinated by other entrepreneurial minds and what drives high-achieving people. So on this podcast, we're going to learn what they've learned and what it takes to really succeed. Sean Lights Out Merriman is the CEO of the Lights Out brand, an athletic performance line of clothing, shoes, and gear. Sean played football professionally in the NFL for the San Diego Chargers and Buffalo Bills, retiring in 2013. He grew up in extreme poverty in Maryland, but it helped shape him and helped form his never-quit attitude. It's so impressive from where he came from and to what he became not only as an NFL player, but as a businessman. He founded the Lights Out On Foundation when he was just a freshman at the University of Maryland. It helped provide warm clothes to the communities in need. Recently, Sean also co-founded Lights Out Extreme Fighting, which showcases premier MMA events and streams exclusively now on FUBU Sports Network. He is nonstop, just like he was on the field. I wanted to start out by asking Sean about growing up and if there were influences that helped him in sports and post-sports and the person he became today. Yeah, I grew up in Prince George's County, uh, Maryland. And, um, you know, it was, it was pretty rough around that time because in the late 80s and 90s, uh, it was a the, the big crack epidemic there in Washington, D.C. and Maryland area. So I grew up around that time. And, you know, my mom was a, she was a single mom. I had two sisters, but it was really my coaches. It was really my coaches, not just on the field, but they kind of stepped in to, uh, you know, provide that void that I had of my dad not being around of that rough time in our area. I really owe a lot to them because without them, I'm not sure where things could have ended up at because it's easy to fall into that trap as many did from where I grew up from. Yeah. When you look back and you think of, of the coaches and off the field and, and your mother, your sisters, and what you really learned from them that has been able to make you successful in business today. What would you say the main things are? I would say the number one thing is uh, overcoming adversity. I mean, being homeless a few different times and having to live in, uh, in the back of the car with me and my mom, uh, and my sister staying in motels and shelters and then find a way to stay positive through that. And it's much like things now, right? I mean, every single day you, you're dealing with some kind of obstacle, some kind of adversity you got to deal with. So I would, I would say that that's the number one uh, key component, but also too, it's uh, discipline. I would say that athletes are some of the most disciplined people on the planet of the earth. And yeah, I've been playing sports since I was nine years old. So having that regimen of, of waking up at a certain time, being in a certain place, just being where you have to be and, and, and holding yourself and other people around you accountable because you play on a team. 
So those are the one or two things. I would say adversity and then number two, uh, overcoming adversity. And then number two would be uh, discipline. When you were at that stage, you know, in, in high school or, or growing up and, and playing sports obviously was a, a huge part of your life. Were there thoughts about business, entrepreneurship going through your head? It was always, you know, even to the point where uh, I got the nickname Lights Out at 16 years old. You know, it was, um, and people don't know this, but there was a, my nickname before was Pepco, which is a light and gas electricity company back home in D.C. Maryland, Virginia area uh, when I was growing up. And people used to call me Pep for short. And so one day I said, you know what? I don't want to be called Pepco because Pepco can go out of business and I'm not going out of business. And I, you know, so happened to have this game in high school. I knocked out four kids one game. I said, call, call me lights out. So that's how that came up. But, you know, kind of looking back on it now, I understood branding and business at 16 years old to the point where um, I knew that lights out was bigger than whatever I did on the football field. So, yeah, if, you, if, if anybody get a chance to look that up, there might be a few uh, Washington Post and Baltimore Sun articles of BBN called Pepco, which is a light and gas electricity company back in the DMV, uh, Maryland area. Yeah, you know, it, it's good, too, because you came up with your own and you probably would have had trademark issues right later on if they kept calling you that, even if they didn't go out of business. But come first off. Four guys in one game. I mean, that's crazy. Like, <laughs> what, what was your like team? That's like, what were you? Th- what were you feeling, man? That's got to be on a football field. I know football. Obviously, it's a violent game, but but like you know, as as someone who plays defense, and you know that you want. How was that feeling? It kind of goes back to my upbringing and some of the things I was going to, and I just learned to be like this character, this figure that was knocking people out and playing physical and doing all these things. And I think that was like a, uh, you know, product of my environment. That was my escape to get away from everything that I was dealing with. Like when I left that football field and I remember that game, you know, when I knocked out the four players, about 20, 25 students come running up, running up to me and they said, Hey, you knocked, you knocked those guys lights out. And I said, that's it. Call me lights out. And this was pre, you know, social media. This is pre anything going viral. And I remember going back, going to school that Monday and I had my book bag going. I had a couple books in my hand and people were calling me lights. I then had rushed home. We get out of school and I knocked on my mom's bedroom door. I said, mom, people are calling me lights out. I want to get a lights out tattoo on my right form. And uh, she quickly told me to leave the room and get home. <laughs> but, you know, I bugged her for two weeks and she finally gave in. And so that's how the whole sag dance about me flicking the light switch up and down to my right forearm. So I look back on it now, it was understanding the business side of it, but also understand branding as well. And, you know, that's, it didn't have a name back then. I mean, no, I don't think people looked at it that way, but how I look at it now, I was uh, definitely ahead of my time. Yeah. You had it in the back of your head and knowing that's pretty incredible, especially when you go back to that time, because there were so many more rules, regulations, and, you know, even now, as you look at NIL and college and being able to make money and, you know, you you had that brand, that brand then. And I mean, you could imagine. Right. But thinking that and thinking then moving on to college and playing college uh, football and then obviously professional and doing extremely well while you were playing what were you doing with the brand? What were you trying to do? And how were you actually out there utilizing it? 
Yeah, so uh, first and foremost, having his name since I was 16 years old with Lights Out, when I got into when I got drafted in 2005 by the Chargers, you know, I finally got my hands on a little bit of money for the first time, like, you know, really in my life. And I bought the name, trademark, and rights from a company called PJ Salvage, who's a uh, big pajama company in Irvine. So I ended up buying the trademarks, all the classifications that I knew that I was going to sell or use the, the trademark in, you know, T-shirts and clothing, workout equipment, those things that interest me. And I did my first deal and I didn't understand the business of selling apparel or doing anything like that. I didn't understand warehousing, manufacturing. I didn't understand anything. I knew that I wanted to do something. So I taught myself how to not only make clothes, I went to the right people. And my first deal was was a company by the name of Sports Fever in San Diego. So I started selling these local uh, sports memorabilia shops that did extremely well. And then I opened up and we started going to Tilly's and DTLR downtown locker room, which is a, you know, 250 stores in the country. So we started to expand, but I didn't know that that's what I wanted to do, how to do it. I just know that I was going to do it. And when you were doing that, and obviously you're still playing football at that time, was it a lot of time and how hard was it for you to really build in a business for an entrepreneur? Full-time job, 24-7, playing football in the NFL, 24-7, right? How are you able to do both? Well, what I've always learned that you have to have a good team around you. I'm, I don't care how great you are, how, how great you think you are. Um, without a good team, you won't. And so I remember I didn't know much about graphics and computers and designs. I didn't know about that. But I had a friend who did. And that's what he did for a living. And so he would come over sometime after practice and we would sit for an hour or two and look at some designs. And then finally, I just moved him in. <laughs> I guess when, I, when, I, when I realized it was going to be a, a full-time thing and something I wanted to do for, you know, a long period of time, I said, hey, man, come, you know, forget this coming over. Like, come move in. I moved in everybody in my house who, uh, who I think that can help me with my vision and business because I, it's, as soon as I was done with practice, that's what I did. I started to uh, look at some different avenues to market and brand like sound, whether it was through apparel whether it was through licensing of the trademarks. And so I, I realized quickly that that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. How did you separate, you know, from a psychological standpoint, entrepreneur, it's a roller coaster. You have a good day. You have a bad day. You're on top of the world. You're on the bottom world. I assume same thing playing in the NFL. You get those, those, those feelings, although you were really good. So you probably had hopefully a little less, but how were you able to maybe stay up on one thing? And if something was bad going on in the NFL or something was bad going on with the business, but good in the NFL, how'd you manage that? Well, it, it, now, now that's a really good question because I take this back to my, my childhood when we were struggling. We were, you know, I didn't know if I was going to come home for, with an eviction notice on the door, lights or, or gas would be off, whether the heat was going to be off, whether we had food, I mean, all these things, but those couple of hours that I was at practice or working out, I was able to step away mm. and stay in that moment and worry about football and then deal with everything else when I got home. So now, and then that time, even I would have to be at practice, watch a film and do all these things and then get into business. And you're right. It was a lot of ups and downs because I didn't understand manufacturing all these things. I had to be self-taught. And so when things wasn't going well, I'm like, okay, it's not going well. We got to fix something in business, but I got practice. Right. And so mentally you prepare yourself to stay in that moment 
to do the very best you possibly can for those couple of hours to be the best you can be and, you know, kind of uh, separate everything or, or put that in that department and handle when you get home. Yeah, I love that because a lot of what I struggle with being an entrepreneur myself and, and others is sometimes, you know, the anxiety of it's going bad or how, how this and instead of just focusing on that, really just like you said, you focused on the process, whether it was NFL focusing on film study or it was how do we make this better? What can we do to make this better right within your business? It sounds like you were able to compartmentalize and keep that that anxiety away from you. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and one thing, too. That I've all and I've always been like this. This this wasn't a thing that I had to learn. Anything is 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 to uh, enjoy the process, right? Like, yeah, you, people love to go in the gym every day, and every day they get bigger. That month, like when they finish working out that day, they like to see a, a, an extra ab, an extra tricep, an extra. Body. You would love that, but that's not what you do it for. You do it for the end result. And so, if you if you if you actually enjoy going into the gym, or if you enjoy what you do, you know the end result is going to be positive. And so what I've always made very important in my life is to enjoy what I'm doing, the, the, the great stuff or the failures, because in those failures, you learn something. I had to teach myself about apparel and how to a 3PL on the back end of a warehouse, who to go to and how that works and how to work on, on, on uh, retail and, and all these things I had to learn, but I enjoy learning through the process. And therefore the results were, we did well. And um, and I try to encourage a lot of people to, you know, step away from just in, in, just love the finishing, love the rewards and seeing a pot of gold at the end of the day and just enjoy the process and it, everything will be fine. More from our guests, but first, a word from our sponsors. This episode of How Success Happens is being presented by State Farm. Being a small business owner can be so fulfilling, rewarding, and let's be honest, a little scary from time to time. Doing your own thing and being your own boss is great, but sometimes it can make you feel like you're all alone, especially when things aren't going great. Well, the folks at State Farm want you to know you're not alone. State Farm has thousands of agents who are small business owners too, so they know what it takes to protect everything you've worked so hard for. State Farm has an assortment of insurance policies for small businesses that can be tailored to your needs. So whether you're a hairstylist, an electrician, or a florist, State Farm agents are ready to help. Learn more and find an agent today at statefarm.com slash small business. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And we're back. Such great advice. I mean, I, I struggle with that myself with my businesses and even when we're doing well and just it's a great reminder to enjoy what you are going after, what you are building because you know, now I look at my age and and I look back and I'm like, why didn't instead of stressing every day or worrying about this thing working out, why couldn't I have enjoyed it each day and understood, you know what, like you said, in the end, you're going to the gym. If you put it in every day, the end result will be there. And um, that's just a, a great thought. And, you know, was there ever a time, though, when you just you were learning this stuff on your own. You were going through it. I'm sure a lot of trial and error, a lot of a lot of learnings, mishaps, like every entrepreneur. Was there ever a time you ever thought, nah, I'm gonna I'm gonna put this to the side. I, I'm I'm just 
I'm not going to do the lights out thing. I, I'm, you know, it's too much. No, no. I, I honestly, um, obviously certain days were a lot rougher than the others. Right. Um, when you're just like, man, there's no way in hell that everything's just wrong or everything's just failing right now. And so you, you wake up with that attitude, but do you realize that how are you going to put something aside that your life, right? It, there's no, Hey, I'm, I'm going to go do something else. There was never a point in time where I felt like, Hey, let me pivot over here and try to see if this other thing works. It was like, no, no, it's just not working today or bad week. And so you can't pivot from something that is a part of your life and it's, it's who you are. And so I never at any point in time thought about doing anything else other than building lights out. That's great. Tell us about lights out today and about some of the, just where it is from apparel to now ventures like lights out, extreme fighting your lights out foundation. I know you have a partnership with family first life insurance yeah. Give me like from the standpoint of that, those early days and to where it is today and now, how it's grown and how it's changed. Yeah. So initially it started out as, as just apparel, right? Because that was, that's, to me, I always looked at apparel as a, uh, a walking branding of the company, right? So if everyone is wearing lights out, then, then obviously if you have other, roll out other businesses and other things, people can identify with lights out because they see it everywhere. Um, so that was my number one goal and plan. Now, Lights Out Extreme Fighting, we launched uh, in 2018. I was a, um, an advocate MMA fan and trainer. So I started training MMA with Jay Blazer and Randy Couture back in 2007 during the offseason. I fell in love with the sport. And so much that I was around it and training more and more during the offseason. In 2018, we launched Lights Out Extreme Fighting. Uh, we're, we are now on Fubo TV, Fubo Sports. Uh, we have a big fight coming back up here uh, January 14th uh, in Riverside, California. So that's going to be huge. We just re up our deal for all of 2023 with uh, Fubo. The partnership has been great there. But Lights Out Insurance with Family First Life, I got into the insurance industry during a pandemic. And I never thought that I would have an uh, insurance agency in my life. I mean, even now, I kind of when, when I talk about it, it kind of doesn't seem real because... I just didn't see myself in a business, but when I did um, launch the Lights Out Agency with Family First Life at towards the end of the pandemic, I realized how important uh, the, insurance, the insurance business is. Not just from a financial standpoint of making money, but uh, how many people don't have it. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. I remember uh, talking to one of my childhood heroes, Freeman McNeil, used to play for the Jets back in the, back in the uh, 80s. And uh he had said the owner of the team at the time, Leon Hess, always just talked to him about insurance and making sure you're taking care of something that if something goes wrong so much that when I remember talking to Freeman, the whole conversation was about that when I just wanted to talk about, you know, his 220 yards against the Bengals and the playoffs. But how did you get into the insurance game? Well, I, I started to, um, well, one thing I said that the, the pandemic, really made people open up to doing other things, right? So our, uh, the MMA league was on hold. We were based in California. So that was completely on hold. Um, at the time I had, uh, you know, my, uh, broadcasting gig on Fox sports, we couldn't go on studio that was on hold. And one of my best friends said, Hey, you should look at insurance. 
well, I didn't know the upside in the insurance space in the first place. But the second part is when I did get in it and I started looking around and said, what is the oldest business here in the country? In this country, what is the oldest business? What, have been, what has been recession proof? What has been the Great Depression? Wars, if, you know, we have insurance companies that have been around 100 plus years. And so I said, why is that? Why is insurance have been around for so long? And it's because it's a necessity. And if the pandemic didn't show you that insurance is a necessity, I mean, I've lost some very close people to me during the pandemic. And I also saw GoFundMe pages up when they did pass. And I, and I didn't think in a thousand years that, that one of my friends didn't have coverage, didn't have insurance. And it made it more, more important and more necessary than it ever had before. Yeah. How did you start and how did the partnership come about, you know, with Family First Life? Yeah. So I was introduced to Sean Mike, the, uh, the CEO and founder of Family First Life. And it was something we had in common. I remember our very first conversation is he said that he never does anything that he wouldn't do himself. Well, tell anyone to do anything he wouldn't do himself. And that's one of my biggest like pet peeves of something, telling someone or trying to show someone to do something that they've never done before. Uh, so anyway, I, I saw what they were building over at Family First Life um, by offer, offering final expense, burial, coverage, mortgage protection, IULs, um, annuities, those type of things. Uh, they're going to cross over a billion dollars this year, I believe, in 10 years, right? And they have a great partnership with Integrity. And, you know, myself, I have 210 agents in my personal agency around the country. And wow. so for me, when I'm seeing this many agents being able to change their life financially, but also build a security for their families, I knew that I was in the right space. And I'm really just getting started in this industry because I think there's a lot of holes in the insurance space that people don't understand. We didn't talk about insurance corner. Where I came up, one, we couldn't afford it. <laughs> you know, any type of insurance. But the, the second part of it is it was a, one of those things you didn't talk about because you were like talking about death, right? Yeah. And talking about something. So we, we, wasn't, we weren't comfortable talking about that growing up. But the insurance is not for you. It's for your family and taking care of the people around you. So you're not leaving them with this big bill. So honestly, it's been one of, one of my favorite businesses to build ever because not only you're helping people, but there's a lot of upside financially in it. Yeah, no, that that's such a, a great thought and saying kind of where you came from and not even understanding it at that time and now really understanding it and not only the people you're helping through it, but let's say all of your agents who are now being able to afford, especially during these times, food for their families and shelter. And it's got to be a great feeling. And it sounds like to you that bringing that joy and happiness to others is as big a part of this as anything. It is. Uh, and when I first started with Family First Life, I did not believe in the process because I've seen so many people make money in it, but I didn't, and the opportunity, I didn't believe in a process just yet until I went to go try to sell for the first time. And I remember at this time we were doing in-home when I helped somebody out, a lady with a policy. I just, if I'm going to build an agency, I want to make sure we just talked about it. I want to, I'm going to talk about it. I want to make sure it's real and the process is real and that families are getting help and the agents are, are getting help. And I remember doing a policy with, with a uh, lady who husband had passed away, who couldn't get insurance because he just had some kind of uh, health issues. So they, he couldn't get insurance. We got insurance for her. And she hugged me on the way out the door, right? And so at that point in time, I said, hold on, I, you know, we just made some money today, obviously, but we also, we helped somebody who couldn't get insurance before her husband couldn't get insurance. I'm in the right business. Yeah. Um, so there's not too many other businesses where you're, you know, saving someone else. And also you, there's a, a financial benefit there as well. 
in terms of the business, sounds like now there's a lot going on. Obviously, you're not playing professional football anymore, so it allows you more time. But insurance, MMA, lights out, the brand, the apparel. And I heard, do you have even other things coming up that you're you're looking to add to uh, lights out? I, I do, um, but actually we have the Lights On Foundation um, here coming up at the University of Maryland. It's my 20th annual uh, winter cold drive. And so it was something I started my freshman year at the University of Maryland. We talked about it. I, I, I was homeless um, not once but twice when I was a kid due to, due to fires and we were, were left homeless. And I just remember one one particular winter, we, uh, my mom and my sister, we all had on like two sweatshirts, two sweaters. And we had socks on our hands uh, because we couldn't afford gloves and, and coats at the time. And that day, I said, if I ever had an opportunity for someone else never to feel like this, now that I would do something about it. My freshman year at the University of Maryland, I started this coat drive, and I only expected to get 100 coats. I said, you know, if we get 100 coats, that's 100 people that's going to be warmer this winter. So I was, I was happy with that. You know, our first time out, we had uh, over 2,500 coats we collected. The first one out. And I was I was floored because I only expected to maybe do 100 coach and help 100 people. That's that's still a great thing. But at that point in time, I knew we had something that I had to continue. Um, and now, 20 years later, coming up, uh, we're over 35,000 coach over the last 20 years. And so I look around the board and, and see that that's 35,000 people that is going without you know, going with a coat this this winter. Yeah, that that's amazing. And and starting it your freshman year and really having that that feeling of not wanting anyone else to go through what you went through is, you know, just really inspiring. Before I let you go, I, I want to ask you, coming from where you came from in Prince George's County and and like you said, not knowing if you were going to be evicted, using uh socks for gloves. And sitting where you are today in this position, do you ever reflect and think of just incredibly how how far you've come and and what that really means to you and maybe wanting to pass that on to others? Yeah, all the time, actually. And I do believe by not forgetting that it keeps a chip on your shoulder. It keeps you hungry. It keeps you grounded. All these things to keep growing. Right. And keep and keep growing and keep going. And so we talked a little bit about enjoying a process and loving a process. And the process is you're stuck in that moment, but you're not forgetting how you got there and what you had to go through to get there. And so that allows me to wake up with this same hunger every single day, seven days a week. And I say hunger and not motivated because hunger allows you to keep working. There's no way to wake up, you know, seven days a week, 365 days. It just doesn't happen. But your hunger will allow you to keep working, to keep being appreciative of what you have at that current moment, but always wanting more. So that's why I use the word hunger instead of instead of motivating. I love that. And Sean, we appreciate you coming on the show today, sharing your experience. It's really incredible to think what you're doing now and also just having the foresight as a 16 year old to think about that branding and, uh, you know, and, and the other thing I love is how you call the foundation lights on. That's pretty, that, that's, that's genius. I love that. But thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You got it. And that's our episode. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to How Success Happens wherever you get your podcasts. We come out with a new episode 
every Wednesday morning, and you don't want to miss it. And if you like to share, please feel free to pass along the show to an entrepreneur friend who could use a boost, and I could always use the subscribers. And do you have ideas for guests? I always love to hear about great entrepreneurs. If you know anyone, shoot me an email at hsh at entrepreneur.com or on Twitter at Robert Tuckman. that's R-O-B-E-R-T-T-U-C-H-M-A-N, or even send me a message on LinkedIn. How Success Happens is a production of Entrepreneur Media. Be sure to visit entrepreneur.com for insight on building your business, or even better yet, subscribe to our magazine. No joke, I found my first job after reading about a company in Entrepreneur Magazine back in the 1990s. It's always been my absolute favorite magazine for entrepreneurs. Thanks for listening and spending some time with me today. Until next time, my name is Robert Tuckman, just a fellow entrepreneur and your host. See you soon.